Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the fourth Sunday in Lent. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who through your word reconcile the human race to yourself in a wonderful way, Grant, we pray, that with prompt devotion and eager faith, the Christian people may hasten toward the solemn celebrations to come. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have taken the shame of Egypt away from you. The Israelites pitched their camp at Gilgal and kept the Passover there on the 14th day of the month, at evening in the plain of Jericho. On the morrow of the Passover, they tasted the produce of that country, unleavened bread and roasted ears of corn that same day. From that time, from their first eating of the produce of that country, the manna stopped falling, and having manna no longer, the Israelites fed from that year onwards on what the land of Canaan yielded. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise always on my lips. In the Lord my soul shall make its boast. The humble shall hear and be glad. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Glorify the Lord with me. Together let us praise his name. I sought the Lord and he answered me. From all my terrors he set me free. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Look towards him and be radiant. Let your faces not be abashed. This poor man called. The Lord heard him and rescued him from all his distress. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. For anyone who is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old creation has gone, and now the new one is here. It is all God's work. It was God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the work of handing on this reconciliation. In other words, God, in Christ, was reconciling the world to himself, not holding men's faults against them. And he has entrusted to us the news that they are reconciled. So, we are ambassadors for Christ. It is as though God were appealing through us, And the appeal that we make in Christ's name is, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made the sinless one into sin, so that in him we might become the goodness of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise and honour to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I will rise and go to my father and tell him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Praise and honour to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The tax collectors and the sinners were all seeking the company of Jesus to hear what he had to say. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained. This man, they said, welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. A man had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, let me have the share of the estate that would come to me. So the father divided the property between them. A few days later, the younger son got together everything he had and left for a distant country where he squandered his money on a life of debauchery. When he had spent it all, that country experienced a severe famine, and now he began to feel the pinch. So he hired himself out to one of the local inhabitants who put him on his farm to feed the pigs. And he would willingly have filled his belly with the husks the pigs were eating, but no one offered him anything. Then he came to his senses and said, How many of my father's paid servants have more food than they want, and here am I, dying of hunger? I will leave this place and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one of your paid servants. So he left the place and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity. He ran to the boy, clasped him in his arms and kissed him tenderly. Then his son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the calf we've been fattening and kill it. We're going to have a feast, a celebration, because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the elder son was out in the fields and on his way back. As he drew near the house, he could hear music and dancing. Calling one of the servants, he asked what it was all about. Your brother has come, replied the servant, and your father has killed the calf we had fattened because he has gotten back safe and sound. He was angry then and refused to go in. And his father came out to plead with him. But he answered his father, Look, All these years I've slaved for you and never once disobeyed your orders, yet you never offered me so much as a kid for me to celebrate with my friends. But for this son of yours, when he comes back after swallowing up your property, he and his women, you kill the calf we've been fattening. The father said, My son, you are with me always and all I have is yours. But it was only right that we should celebrate and rejoice. Because your brother here was dead and has come to life. He was lost and is found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so the parable of the prodigal son. I reckon alongside the Good Samaritan, it's probably the best known and perhaps most loved among Jesus' parables. And, you know, you can see why. It, it's, it's quite an extraordinary story. Um, and there's so much to glean from it. 
there's no detail, there's no word, there's no letter that's excessive. Everything is just filled with meaning. Honestly, I could talk about it for hours. And I reckon each of us could pray with it for hours. But I want to put to you an idea, a little thought. You see, I think often we hold these two sons in contrast to one another. The younger son, the older son, the younger son is the one who is unfaithful, disobedient. He's the one who wastes all the money and the one who comes crawling back. The older son, he's the one who stays, but is a bit resentful at the openness with which the father has received the younger son back. And you know what? There's a lot between these two sons that, you know, is contrasting. But I think deep down, they actually have the same problem. And the problem that's really at the heart of both of them is that they don't understand the love that their father has for them. You can see the younger son, he gets itchy feet. I've got to get out of here. If I'm really going to live my life and if I'm going to be truly happy, I can't do it here. I can't do it with my father. He's holding me back. He's a drag. And so, what's the solution? Give me my inheritance now and I'll be off and I'll be happy. I'll go and live my life on my terms. And that's exactly what he goes and does. And it's described beautifully in the parable as him going to a faraway land. A long, long way from the father. Now, what does he discover about the kind of life that he's longing to lead? It leads nowhere. Worse than that, it actually leads to misery. The abundance of the father is exhausted And left to himself, what does the son have? Nothing. Hunger and misery. Now, the son actually comes to his senses. Well, at least in part. He thinks to himself, you know, the servants in our household, they they live better than I do. What the heck am I doing here? Actually, to have been in the house of the father was something that was pretty good. Turns out he wasn't holding me back. It turns out he was holding me up. I thought that I could live my life away from the Father, but in fact, what have I found? Famine and death. So we get this resolution. You know what? I'll go back to my Father and I'll say, I've sinned against heaven and against you, all of which is absolutely true. I no longer deserve to be called your son. So treat me as one of your paid servants. Now, on the one hand, you know, you hear that phrase and you think, oh, good, he's coming to his senses and he's going back to the father and he's going with sorrow and contrition. But I tell you what, I think that that phrase will have been heartbreaking for the father. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Yep. Good, perfect, that's absolutely true. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Yep, that's true too. But treat me like one of your paid servants? 
I think it's at that point you might have expected the father to say, Son, who do you think I am? And who do you think you are? But you know what? Rather than say that, the father shows it. He actually says nothing to his son. Did you notice that? He says nothing to his son, but turns to the servants and says, Quick, get the best robe, put it on his back, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. These are outward signs of the father's love and of the young man's sonship. He wears the family ring. He is under the care and protection of the father's love. And just to drive it home, the father, still speaking to the servants, says, kill the fattened calf. We're having a feast because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. There's that word. This son of mine. Okay, so the party kicks off. And the older brother, he's the one who's been out in the fields and he's coming back and he hears the commotion and he ain't happy. Now, I put it to you that the older brother actually suffers from the same misunderstanding of the father's love that the younger brother has. The only difference between the two is that this older brother didn't have the guts to leave. Listen to what he says to his dad. He says, look, all these years I have slaved for you and never once disobeyed your orders. Slaved? Really? What kind of position did you think you had in the household? Who do you think you are? And who do you think the father has been? I think that phrase will have broken the father's heart just as much as the younger brother. He's seen himself as slave. He's seen his father as master. And he hasn't understood the father's love. Where the younger brother upped and left to pursue the freedom that he thought that he would find when he finally put some distance between himself and his slave-driving dad. The older brother, he didn't go. He stayed. But imagined that he was still under the slave-driving hand of his master. Now... There's a little detail that I'd like to draw your attention to here, because I think it's important. The older brother comes in from the fields, hears the music, and refuses to go in. He stays outside. And so, importantly, he's only heard the report of his brother's return. He hasn't seen him. But if he had gone to see his younger brother, what would he have seen? He would have seen a very strange sight. A famine-stricken brother. Ennobled by the sandals and the ring and the robe on his back. But looking perhaps a little bit like a scarecrow. What's this older brother imagined? He's been having a wild time, swallowing up your property, he and his women. He's been having all the fun that I wasn't able to have. 
He's been indulging in everything that I've sacrificed. And now you give him a party? You see, the older brother exposes that he still believes what the younger brother believed when he left. It's better to be away from the father. That's where you get what you want. That's where you find the fun, the life, the enjoyment. He's had all that and now he's back for more. But what's the truth? The older brother hasn't seen it yet. He hasn't seen what distance from the father does to his brother. And as a consequence, he hasn't understood what it's meant for him to be in the father's house. He's been miserable all this time because he's occupied the place of a slave. He hasn't taken up his sonship. And he hasn't entered, he hasn't understood the father's love. I don't quite know how else to put it, but both of these sons are idiots. Right in front of them is a father who has a prodigal love. An excessive, a luxurious, a wasteful love. Now it's the younger son who knows what he's coming back to. And it's the younger son on his broken and emaciated body that he carries the signs of these sonship. I reckon he gets it now. The older brother, he still needs to find it. This parable finally is actually a parable about the father. Remember the introduction. Jesus is criticised by the scribes and Pharisees for eating with tax collectors and sinners. This story isn't about the sons. This story is about the father. And just as in the parable, it's the youngest son who discovers who the father is and consequently discovers who he is in relationship to the father. He is the son. Well, so too, the question then falls to us. Where do we stand? Have we found this yet? Have we discovered this yet? Do we know who the Father is? And as a consequence, do we know who we are? Are we the ones who secretly resent the presence of the Father, believing that he's the one holding us back and that he doesn't actually want us to be happy and to find happiness we need to rebel? Or are we the ones who stay put but remain resentful? Imagining that actually we're just giving up all the fun while submitting to the slave driver. My brothers and sisters, let us encounter the Father. Let us enter the Father's house and take our place as his sons and daughters, his beloved, the lost who are found the dead who've come back to life, the sons and daughters in whom the Father rejoices. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.